Beloved of God, grace to you in peace from God, our Maker, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I spent this past week at Holden Village, the Lutheran retreat center in the North Cascades. It's kind of a historic time to be there because they have not been able to run a full summer program for the last five years. There's been a huge mine remediation project that some of you may know of, and then two years ago, the Wolverine fire swept through the valley. So it was a joy to be there, but it was very strange to drive through a a road in a mountainside and hills that are so familiar and so unfamiliar at the same time. There are blackened trees, charred trees, hardly any canopy, and a bare forest floor. There used to be thick, dense forest there. It would look barren if it weren't for all the new life that's popping up. There are young saplings that are stretching up toward the sun. There are meadows of purple fireweed, again, basking in the sun that for years didn't make it through the canopy with much power. Signs of regeneration abound. It's a wonder to behold. It was also a wonder to hear the story again of the fire. I thought I knew the story. I had paid attention to it. But I watched a slideshow put together by those who were there. And it was really amazing to see a wall of orange flames 60 feet high, just less than that distance away from the buildings at Holden, was to realize how close the village had been to destruction. It is not the policy of the U.S. Forest Service to send personnel, people, into dangerous situations to save buildings. And so the village had been fully evacuated. But after careful consideration, two hotshot crews and five members of the Holden staff were sent in to see what they could do. Again, I had heard all of this, but to see pictures of loved ones bidding goodbye to their family members as they boarded a helicopter and flew off into the flames, it was like more than I could handle. I was a wreck at this slideshow. I realized that this story was more than one of fire management or forest regeneration. It was a story of love and duty, of risk and reward, and for this forest, a story of death and resurrection. This past week, Holden was the perfect backdrop for studying today's gospel text. It is a teaching of Jesus on discipleship that we find here in the middle of Matthew's gospel. And his words feel a little bit like fire, don't they? And they contain some of the same themes, love and duty, risk and reward, death and resurrection. Jesus was speaking to people who were familiar with his vision of the kingdom of God. They had been present when Jesus had proclaimed, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. They had witnessed his power to heal and to restore life by sharing God's mercy 
they had experienced the radical nature of divine hospitality as Jesus welcomed outcasts and sinners to their table to feast on God's grace. What's more, Jesus' followers had been empowered to do the same thing, to proclaim good news, to heal, to welcome. They had been called to be disciples, co-workers with Jesus in the kingdom of God. When I hear Jesus' words in this gospel passage, I'm surprised that any of them responded to this call. He certainly doesn't sugarcoat the challenges of discipleship. To follow me is risky business, he tells them. It could cost you your life, or at least the life that you imagine for yourself. You could lose many of the people and the things that you hold dear. It's Jesus' words about family that sound particularly harsh, I think. I've come to set son against father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. One's own foes will be members of one's own household. It doesn't really sound like family values as I have come to know them. When I hear these words, it's helpful for me to remember what a stratified society Jesus and his followers lived in. Class lines were very well defined. People knew their place. They knew the kin group to which they belonged, and they didn't cross those boundaries for fear of bringing shame upon themselves or their family. The problem for Jesus' followers was that he didn't observe those boundaries. He didn't color in those lines. They had no authority in the reign of God. Jesus interacted with whomever he pleased. He crossed societal lines to seek those who were considered the least blessed, the least pleasing to God, in order to share the healing mercy and grace of God with them. To follow Jesus meant to follow him across these lines. It meant to risk estrangement and ostracism from family and from community. It was a heavy price to pay. And to follow Jesus meant being willing to die to those things that prevent you from actively participating in the reign of God. Things like fear, Things like unhealthy ego. We see how Jesus responded to his disciples when they bickered about who was the greatest or who was going to get the seat of honor in the kingdom of heaven. To strive and grasp for your own life, he told them, is to be lost. But to surrender your life for the sake of the gospel, to die to fear To die to all your striving and grasping is to find new life. Discipleship, he taught them, is a life of humble service that requires no less than death and resurrection. So what about us on this pleasant summer day? How do we hear these words? What are we willing to risk in order to follow Jesus? It might be a stark question, but it's a stark text. 
Do you ever wonder if being Christian has gotten so comfortable that we don't think of it as risky anymore? I sometimes wonder that when I read texts like this. But then I remember conversations that I've had with some of our youth. They have shared with me their experience of being misunderstood and stereotyped at school when they identify themselves as Christian. Many of them have shared the experience of being judged as being anti-science or people who don't like gay people whenever they identify themselves as Christian. I appreciate how honest they are about how risky it feels to share their faith. What about the rest of us? What risks are we aware of? And which ones are we willing to take in order to be Christ's people in the world? And what is it that we need to die to, to surrender, to let go of, so that we might follow Jesus faithfully? Our fear, our pride, our shame, our apathy, What needs to be burned off in us like dry timber so that new life might grow? These are big questions, important questions that we are called to wrestle with as Christians. We're called to wrestle with them as individuals, and we're called to wrestle with them as a community. And there's no blanket answer to them. But there is a promise It's the promise we receive in baptism when that mark of the cross is put on us. It's the promise that we hear on the lips of St. Paul today in our reading from Romans. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We've been buried with him by death. Therefore, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Joined to Christ in baptism, we belong to him in life and in death. We are like the sparrows that God knows and loves. We are known by God, held by Christ, not protected from risk, but loved through risk. To follow Jesus is to live in this basic pattern of dying to sin and being raised to new life. This is the pattern of Christian discipleship. Trusting God's promise that new growth and new life come from death, we are free to take risks for the sake of the gospel. We are free to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, no matter how uncomfortable We are free to be people of good courage, not knowing where God may lead us, but trusting that his hand is with us and his love is supporting us. Thanks be to God. Amen.